What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Questions You Never Thought to Ask, the Whitewater Kayaking Podcast. My name is Seth Ashworth, and this week we've got a fun, exciting, and informative podcast lined up for you that I know you're going to enjoy. Before we get started, I want to take a second to say a big thank you shout out to all the people who support this podcast on Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform where you can chip in a couple of dollars every month. You get to hear the podcast before they go live to the kind of public channels. You get a bit more input into what is happening with the podcast. And it helps me keep this podcast up and running uh, to cover costs of things like hosting fees uh, to basically just keep the podcast distributed as it is. If you want to be a part of that, it's patreon.com slash Seth Ashworth. That's patreon.com slash Seth Ashworth. And without further ado, enjoy this podcast. Peace. Welcome back to Questions Never Thought to Ask, the Whitewater Kayaking Podcast. A question I have to field quite frequently is, what is Dewarstone? Or more frequently, actually, I get the question, what is Dewarstone? And it always makes me smile. And it's a company that I've been working with for a long time. And this week, I'm privileged enough to be speaking with uh, the founder of the company, entrepreneur Rory Atten. Rory, welcome to the show. Hey, Seth. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us what is Dewarstone? Uh, so the Dewarstone itself is a rock in Dartmoor National Park in uh, Dewarstone Woods. And the Dewarstone Rock is a big crag and it's well known for uh, climbing. And then the River Plym flows through Dewarstone Woods and straight past that crag, which is a technical grade five river. Um, and the sort of Dewarstone Woods itself is kind of a gateway to the kind of the national park and it's where so many people experience the national park and climbing and things like that for the first time um and that's kind of where the name Dewarstone comes from and the national park we're talking about here is of course dartmoor national park in uh in southwest england is that correct yeah exactly dartmoor national park um, and now we're based in princetown which is bang in the central of the national park here so that kind of answers my the question I get answered or asked all the time. Um, but I guess what people are going to be asking is, who is Rory Atom? Man, I never thought you'd ask that. I thought it would all be about Jewistone. Um, so I get you on my background. Is that is that where we're going? Yeah. Why don't you give us like uh, your one minute rundown? Okay. So... Um, my one minute rundown would be that um, I didn't go to university or anything like that. I just went off and went skiing. That was all that I wanted to do. Um, I went skiing from place to place, whether it was South America, New Zealand, North America, um, just following the snow. Eventually, I started working for a kind of bunch of boot shops and a boot company um, and then ended up kind of working in London and Aspen and with them and then um, left to go work for a distribution company in the Northwest where I am now. And a little after that, decided just to, you know, start my own thing, work for myself and, um, you know, build something down here. And that, that went on to be Jewistone. And when you started this company, how, how did you come to the idea that Jewistone would be the name of the, how did those two things meet together? Like we've got, what is Jewistone? We've got, who is Rory Atten? How did one and the other combine? Um, so I lived um, where, where that Jewistone Woods was. I lived in the little 
village that overlooked those woods. So the Jewelstone was only a stone's throw from this house that I lived in. Um, it was a place where I spent a whole bunch of time. And then when it came to kind of starting a brand up, that seemed like a super natural name to go for because of my um, you know, geographic location and being so close to it. And what was your goal when you started Jewelstone? What were you, what was what were your initial thoughts? Like the the very first thing you're like, oh, I'm just going to start this clothing brand and just see what happens. Um, honestly, I mean, I was in this job that I didn't really um, really enjoy. I worked for this kind of outdoor and kayak distribution company, um, and I wasn't loving it too much. It was kind of a lot of spreadsheets and um, not a lot of actually being out there doing things, which I was hoping for. Um, so initially it was to kind of, you know, to work for myself to, you know, I'm quite happy putting the graft in and putting the hours in. And I love, you know, I love doing things like the business side of things. And I just wanted to start doing that for myself. So the initial goal really was to kind of create this brand, embed myself and the brand within the outdoors community and, you know, be able to take a wage from it. That was my initial goal. And one of the things I really like most about what you're doing right now, um, and I think I'd like to dig, pick a, a little bit more into like the, the roots of uh, some of the the values and the environmental mission that Jewstone is really um, pretty entrenched in right now. And can you talk a little bit about what those um, those values are and, and how you came to those ideas? Because I think there's a lot of, especially in like, um the clothing industry is like pretty damaging to the environment and a lot of people don't realize that um and you're trying to do something about that and i would love to see if you could outline outline what it is that you're doing and how it is you got got that to there yeah absolutely so i mean you know that initial idea of you know getting you know creating a company where i would get paid and you know that kind of very quickly came to fruition so all of a sudden, you know, you're already achieving that main goal. And then, you know, fast forward a kind of a couple of years, the business is doing okay. You know, we're selling a bunch of products. There's other people working there. You know, the mission and the goals are, ne are no longer about getting paid anymore. That's not really a, a thing. It's, it's just a given. Um, and then kind of, you know, being based here in, in the middle of the national park, you know, the, everything is all around us, you know, um, even more evident with the shop here now, but I mean, from our location, you can go walking, hiking, biking, kayaking, climbing, you know, all out of the front doors of the shop. And, you know, our brand is really built on kind of the places that we love and the environment. And as we sort of, you know, became bigger and that became more of us part of our message, you know, it became clear that we really had to start doing things that really kind of back that up. And, um, you know, if we're going to, use the environment to build a brand and build a business you know we've got to we've got to pay our dues back to the environment and do something about protecting it and that really seemed to come kind of hand in hand with you know our location who we were as people and you know where we wanted the brand to go in the future and um you know i think like many people you know i read um let my people go surfing and you know whilst a lot of those things in there already kind of aligned with what i wanted you know was, was thinking and what i was doing that really allowed me to kind of dive into some ways that we can really make a difference. And actually, all of a sudden, our platform of, you know, who we speak to and our customer base, overnight, we seem to have this kind of influence on other people. And, you know, the realization that we need to use that influence for good. Um, because, you know, as you build a brand and you build a comp company and a, and a customer base, you know, those people will, you know, will follow you and they will listen to you. And actually, it's it's now part of our responsibility to 
use our influence to you know look after and, and you know help people and educate them on how to enjoy but also respect and look after and protect the environment for future people so that's all well and good and i think we've kind of talked about the uh the root of it but what can you lay out for people who are not aware what is Stone doing right now to reduce its environmental impact and kind of be a better steward for the environment sure so i mean we're speaking a couple of days after earth day which is um which is great i'm sure everybody saw um you know maybe earth day campaigns from ourselves and you know hundreds of thousands of business and companies all over the world um and and that is great that everybody gets on the earth day thing and it's you know it's huge um we celebrated our second year of being climate neutral certified on earth day uh, which what means, does that what does that mean for people i'm gonna pop, i'm sorry to chop in on you i know you're talking here but i think this is really important and i a lot of people just have no idea what being climate neutral means yeah so there's lots of phrases out there at the minute there's climate neutral there's climate negative there's you know carbon zero net zero and all those things and, and really what, what that means is that you have a way of measuring your emissions your carbon emissions and then you take out more than you put in in that calendar year so we're looking back at 2020 we're measuring everything that we did you know we know how much stuff we shipped we know how many pallets we brought from overseas we know how many you know orders we shipped and where they went we know all of our staff costs for driving to and from work uh, we know all of our energy bills and the size of building we're in and you know the oil and the gas and the electric we know all those things um so this is a you know very big tool that kind of brings all that data together and makes this measurement of how many tons of carbon you have used uh, or emitted in, you know, in, in, you're responsible for in that 12 month period. So there's the measuring section, there is the offsetting section. And so that is where you, you know, take out through carbon credits, more carbon than you put into the environment in that calendar year. And then there is the reduction plan. So, you know, it's all well and good offsetting everything you do. But we really need to lower the amount of carbon that we're, you know, that we're putting out there that we're responsible for. So there are, we have a reduction plan in place, which sets out, you know, kind of what we're going to do over the next 12 months. And we also look back at uh, what we said we were going to do last year to see if we achieved that, to see what we can do to improve on it if we hadn't, and see if we can sort of develop those goals for future years to, to keep that going and keep that reduction in place. And for us, you know, as a growing brand that is, you know, doubling every size, sorry, doubling every year in size, we actually managed to cut our emissions in half last year by good planning and being just way more aware of it and the, and the, the process and having these sort of reduction plans. We could double in size, but half our, half our emissions in 2020. That is um, just so it all comes down incredible. to that kind of, um, comes down to the idea of, you know, let's, you know, every business, every person, every company is going to have some kind of footprint. And we need to work on methods where we can make sure that we take out more than we put in. And that's kind of the main goal and the main message of going climate neutral. All right. Thank you very much for outlining that for people like me who are undereducated about what climate neutral means and all that, you know, like you say, there's a lot of different words out there. I'm sorry I cut you off mid answer for uh, what are you doing right now? And we just talked about being climate neutral, but I know Jewish Stone is doing a num number of other good things for the environment uh, as well as that. 
um, and I cut you off. So would you love to continue? Yeah, and um, just on that climate neutral thing, some amazing brands and companies just certified in kind of this year. And one of those was REI. And I think that's going to be absolutely huge for kind of the outdoor climate neutral movement because all of a sudden you have this huge retailer that now has the power to push back on the brands and say, hey, we're certified climate neutral. Why aren't you? And I think that's going to be a huge, you know, over the next 12 months, we're going to see a lot of the big brands having to scramble and get that sorted. And we're going to lose this um, you know, future date. You know, people saying that they're going to be climate neutral by 2030 is rubbish. You know, if they wanted to do it right now, they could absolutely do it right now. Um, and I think, you know, someone like REI pushing back on those big brands is going to make that happen, which is, which is awesome. Um, into sort of other things that we do, you know, we're members of 1% for the planet, which means that we give 1% of our yearly turnover. So 1% of our yearly sales, 1% of profit. Um, we give that to environmental nonprofits, including Save Our Rivers, uh, the Gili Eco Trust, and Eden Reforestation. Um, and you know, really interestingly, through Eden Reforestation, we plant a tree for every product that we sell. And that's in addition to our carbon offsetting with climate neutral. So not only are we, are, are we certified climate neutral, we also planted 25,000 trees last year in Indonesia with Eden, Re Eden Reforestation. Wait, um, so say that one more that time. Just say that one more time, just so I'm so. Clear. For every single thing you sell, you plant one tree. Yes. So, and we do that in addition to our climate neutral certification. So that's 25,000 trees in 2020, above and beyond already being climate neutral certified. Just, um, one, just which, one more time. 25,000 trees in one year. 25,000 trees. Um, planted in Biak Island in Indonesia, mangrove trees that sequest carbon at four times the rate of the average tree. Um, and um, yeah, we chose Indonesia because we did a bit of manufacturing there. We're looking at moving some of our manufacturing there. And very excitingly, and I'm not sure if you even know this, we are opening a shop in Bali. Man, isn't Bali so great? Yeah, I mean, like the whole of Indonesia is super nice, but um, the whole of yeah, Indonesia we're, uh, is super nice, but man, Bali is nice. Yeah, so we're, we're opening a shop in Gili Terangan in the Gili Islands that sit just between Bali and Lombok, and um, yeah, that store should open in the next couple of months, which will be super nice. I'm still reeling from I've got like a little notepad going here, and I wrote down twenty five thousand, and then I underscored it, and I was like. Right, like oh, that's so many yeah. trees, so so many trees, and it you know actually as a as a business you know we're you know we're we're not hands on with it, and we're you know be the first to say that it's not about us being hands on. You know, one of the really interesting statistics that comes out of planting planting twenty five thousand trees is the amount of man days that we have essentially employed people in Indonesia to you know grow, look after, and plant those trees. So it's not just about planting trees. It's about tackling poverty. It's about getting people in areas that, that need help to you know, into jobs, into work, into tree planting, into working in the nurseries. And so all of a sudden that tree planting is not, is not just 
numbers of trees it's numbers numbers of work days and employment for people um and you know that's a that's a side we don't shout too much about um and certainly one that we're really keen to learn more of um but it you know it runs a little deeper than just planting a tree yeah i mean i think you'd be the first like you know you just said it's not about being hands-on right and i think a lot of people are put off by put off of environmental stuff because they're like oh there's nothing i can do about it but it's really where you where you spend your money is doing something about it absolutely and i think you know we've we've looked at many things where we can plant a tree here you know it would be great to plant a few trees here on dartmoor it is inherently difficult to do and expensive you know if we're talking about tackling the climate crisis we're not going to have the same impact here planting a few trees than we would planting 25,000 trees in Indonesia. You know, if it's about, if it's about tackling climate change and taking action, doing big numbers in a place like Indonesia will make a difference. And that's something that I, you know, I'm super passionate about what we're doing is actually making a difference. You know, if we keep planting 25,000 trees for the next 10 years, that's a huge difference. If we can up that even better. Um, and I think if we can, if we can help other businesses so that they can get involved in that and they can start planting trees, that'd be, you know, that would be incredible. It's yeah. I think the, the power of people have so much power with where you spend your dollars and, and what those companies you're spending with do with those dollars. Um, and it's, I think people are starting to get it more and more and, um, you know, partly because there's companies like Amazon who, treat some of their workers unfairly and you know partly people are upset with that but i think the more that we can do stuff like this and highlight that there is companies out there that are trying to do something different um i think it's important i think that trickle down effect is eventually gonna you know gonna turn into a um more of an ocean than a, a puddle you know i think so and it's about you know it's about for, for us you know little brands coming together realizing that we can make a difference. And actually the biggest difference we can make is put pressure on those biggest brands. You know, we sell into a few national retailers here and, you know, we sit on the shelf next to, you know, godfathers of doing great things, Patagonia. And we're seeing some of these retailers take other brands off the shelf to put Jewelstone on the shelf next to Patagonia. And whilst that is, you know, huge for us, what a great brand to be next to. The real story there is that that retailer is giving more space to sustainable brands full stop. They're taking brands out that they don't believe are sustainable and they're bringing brands in that are. And that's a huge shift to see some of those big retailers make those decisions. That's the kind of thing that's going to make a difference on a main scale, on a major scale. I think it's, it's just, it's more and more of that, like, you know, be the change you want to see, right? Exactly. And, and that couldn't be truer. I mean, you have, you know, you have choices every day and, you know, it all, it all starts with that one small thing, you know, stop, stop buying plastic bottles. You know, we, um, in the shop here, you know, we have a little coffee shop on the side. And when we started, you know, we were like, right, how many milk bottles do you think we're going to use a year? And even just based off our first week of you know milk consumption, I was like, wow, if we were buying plastic bottles of milk, we would be using two, three, maybe 4,000 plastic bottles a year just in milk. 
Um, we actually get all our milk from a local dairy and it comes in glass bottles and the bottles go back to them, get clean and reused, which is awesome. But I was like, wow, if every coffee shop out there is responsible for thousands, if not tens of thousands of plastic milk bottles, that's crazy. That's a change they could make overnight. They could get it from the dairy and there would be far less plastic in this world. And, you know, for me, once I realized that, I sort of stopped trying to use as much single-use plastic as possible, um, you know, especially going into a shop and just buying a, a drink. You know, now I, I don't even buy it unless it comes in a can. I'm, you know, I'm, that's a personal little goal of mine that I'm trying to do. And I think everybody can have that kind of individual impact when they're buying their necessities. But also when it comes to buying luxuries, you know, and, and Jewistone is, you know, is a luxury in someone in people's life. You know, they people need clothes, but, um, you know, it's, it's a luxury. And I think with that kind of those luxury choices, people can start to make really good choices um, and move away from those brands that aren't doing anything. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think it's so it's so good to hear that there's business owners out there who are thinking about things uh that aren't just the bottom line right and it's and it's small changes like you say and it doesn't have to be hands-on but there's there's things you can be doing there's always more things you can be doing and i personally want to support those companies that are, are trying to find more things they can do um and I, th I just i think that's so great exactly and you know you've you've probably seen some of our marketing where we're you know we're planet before profit and that couldn't be more true you know that that 1% to the planet commitment is 1% of our turnover, whether we make a whether we make a profit or not, that doesn't matter. You know, whether we make a profit or not each year, whether it's big or small, you know, as long as we're turning over money, we're giving money away. Um, and, you know, interesting, it's actually quite a bit above 1%. Um, but it's something that we're passionate about and it's what we want to be involved in. And we want to make sure that people can still enjoy those areas that we love for, you know, for years to come. Yeah, it couldn't be it couldn't be truer. It couldn't feel truer in these times where everything everything feels upside down and, and it often I find myself I'm like, oh, everything is hopeless, you know. I don't I felt like that a lot in the last eighteen months. Um but when you when you know you're like you're doing a small thing that's making a change down the line somewhere else, I think that's a good step in the right direction. Absolutely. And it's a, you know, it's a it can be a little bit of a hard step to get over, but there are, I would, you know, I would almost guarantee that any, any business that is part of 1%, if someone came along to me and, and they have, you know, and they ask about it and they want to know what it is. And if we think they can, you know, whether they could do it for their business, you know, guaranteed that that person is going to be, you know, they're going to have the time to help them and explain it and help them get on board with doing it too, because it is something that, you know, every 1% for the planet member would be passionate about. Yeah, it's, it's so great. Um, while we're talking about recycling, let's talk about recycled plastic bottles because it's almost summer here and I am, I've already had my live shorts out a number of times and um, they're board shorts that, that uh, the Jewstone makes that are mostly from recycled plastic bottles. Can you tell us about what's up with that? Yeah, so the live shorts, um, historically live shorts too, and then now the new live shorts pro are made from plastic bottles and post-consumer polyester. So that's taking other forms of polyester and plastic and making them into the shorts. Um, and that's something we're super excited about. And, um, you know, whilst there is so much plastic in the world, that is one of the best uses we can use for it is then reusing that so it can be you know, turned into shorts. 
you know, hopefully one day there isn't loads of plastic in the world and there's not loads of, you know, post-consumer polyester that can be used to make other things because we've, we've stopped doing it. You know, we've stopped using that as a resource. Um, but for right now, it is a, you know, it's a great way to, you know, make a recycled product. Um, and I think for us, you know, if the choice is there, we'll always try and make that, you know, make what we think is the good choice. And that's something we've kind of embedded in Duostone since the beginning. It's, and they're great board shots too. Like the pockets are in the right place. Oh man, like the shorts like, are. <laughs> what do I want a pocket on my, the side of my leg for so that my phone can just constantly hit me on the side of the leg? It doesn't make sense. Like life shorts, pockets are up in front where your pocket should be. Yeah, I mean, the shorts are like, you know, we've said it before, you know, there's the shorts are the short we wanted to make. There's no, you know, when we, when we started making the life shorts, we hadn't done a whole load of other products. And, you know, in all honesty, didn't really know how much it was going to cost and what the end result was going to be. But we, you know, we knew that the end result was going to be what we wanted. You know, there was no one saying you have to make a short that's going to be this price. We were just going to put all the things we wanted to in the shorts and then see how much they cost. And I appreciate that sounds a little bit naive. You know, we were pretty naive at the start. We didn't really know what we were doing. And, um, you know, the shorts are the short we wanted to make. No stone left got, got left unturned. And, um, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's an absolutely fantastic product that's got so much heart and soul in it and just keeps getting better year on year. Um, and, that, you know, I'm, I'm still super stoked on it. You know, the colors this year are all, all absolutely amazing. We've got the widest selection of graphics that we've ever had. Um, we've got the awesome collaboration short with Coketat. Um, and, it's, you know, it's a super exciting product. Yeah, it's just, it's very satisfying to me. To, and again, another small change. But to know that you know that's one more, one more little thing that that uh, or one more way you can use your dollars to help you think about, um, you know, to to see a change. Exactly, yeah, and it doesn't matter where we, um, you know, where we sell the shorts, if it's through a distributor or a retailer or anything, you know, the they're still climate neutral certified. They're still one percent for the planet, and that you know that that applies for that Duostone X Coquitat short as well. Yeah, and it's it's just so great. Like there's it's so many small things, but when you add it all together, now you're suddenly looking at like, oh, this is this Duosone's actually has become a company that is actually doing something about the environment, not just saying we care about the environment. And it's so easy to say you care, but it's so hard to start making those actions. And once you get started, it's incredible to see how far you can come. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, you know, having an amazing platform like this is a great opportunity for us to say if there's, you know, if you're a nonprofit and you're doing you know, great stuff and you'd like to be involved, whether it's, um, you know, financially or helping making things or raising awareness or whatever, you know, get in touch, reach out to us. You know, we're excited to work with people and excited to try and, you know, help make change, whether that's, you know, here in the UK, Europe, you know, in Indonesia or America or Canada, or, you know, we're, you know, we're all about that. And, you know, if we can help, we, we certainly will. And we kind of talked about your collaborative efforts with Kokta, um a second ago, but something else you guys collaborate or another charity you collaborate with quite frequently is Save Our Rivers. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Save Our Rivers is absolutely unreal. I mean, what, what is Save Our Rivers? For, for people who don't know, what, what is Save Our Rivers? 
So Save Our Rivers, you know, is a non-profit organization based in the UK and they have taken on, you know, the government and corporations to stop rivers getting dammed, stop hydropower. And basically their whole thing is to keep rivers wild and free flowing. And they have had, you know, huge success with what they're doing, uh, both in terms of actually stopping projects happening and keeping those rivers flowing free, but also in helping other people. So, you know, their big thing now is they, you know, at the start they formed because they were saving the Conwy in Wales. And um, the Conwy is a, you know, it's a great river. But interestingly, the Conwy is in Snowdonia National Park. So this river's in a national park and it was going to have a hydro project on it. So it being in a national park meant nothing. The land where the hydro project was going to be was owned by the National Trust. So it being on National Trust land made no difference. It was still going to get that project. And actually, those guys stopped that happening. They kept that river wild and they kept it free flowing. And that is, you know, it is an incredible effort. And now what they're doing is they're helping other people. So they've done a few other projects in the UK, but they're providing the tools and the framework so that people can, wherever it is, you know, they've, they're involved with a project in Austria. There's one in Kendall. There's one in Scotland. You know, they're they are helping people in their local areas to be able to stand up and protect what they, they you know, what they love. Um, and it, you know, it's quite a phenomenal, phenomenal movement really. And how long have you guys been collaborating with them? Um, well, a good couple of years now and, and kind of like everything, it, you know, it stems from having a, you know, meeting up with them, having those shared views and generally just having a few beers and becoming friends. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, we're, I, I can't speak highly enough of them. You know, we've had a Save Our Rivers talk in the store. Um, you know, I watch whatever, whenever they do something online, I watch it. We've got a few exciting things in the pipeline for the future. But it's, they just do it because they love it. And, you know, I think what it boiled down to is they, they realized they had to do something because no one else was doing anything. And then now they're taking, you know, with the success they found, the methodology they've got with that to help other people do the same thing. And that's, that's, that's quite amazing. It's it's another another aspect of those someone else who's just trying to you know be the change they want to see. Exactly, you know. There's, you know, what I love is there's there's no ulterior motive. There's no nothing. It's it's about keeping those rivers free flowing, and nothing else. Yeah, it's so great, um, Rory. I what else? Do you, do we have anything else on the list you want to you want to hit here? I've kind of hit all the things I wanted to hit, and I am hyped about it. Um, I don't know when we're going to go back to Uganda. Oh, one day. I, I one think, day. I think we have to, you know, it's such a good place, such an amazing place. And, you know, another amazing river that, you know, sadly probably won't be there forever. I mean, already with that, like the, the way the dam situation is right now, it's, uh, you know, it's not a great not a great spot there unfortunately and I, I wish that last dam hadn't been finished and from the sounds of it from what i hear from people on the ground it's uh um it you know that dam's not even running at full capacity so like what was the point and yeah uganda is such an interesting I'm, i think i'm gonna try to have sam ward on here at some point to talk about the situation in uganda because it's such a 
it's such an interesting minefield of like politics and backhand deals and dams that don't really produce any power and Chinese workers and there's there's so many interesting facets to that story um you know on top of the the community of amazing people that surround the river and there's a lot of there's a lot of factors I think that but I'd love to have someone more educated than me to talk about it um on the podcast in some kind of future episode yeah I think that'd be awesome to get Sam on and I think to sort of talk through the kind of like you know not in a sense of what is left but I mean I've seen some of Sam's videos and there is still some incredible stuff happening on the Nile and you know, amazing for that kind of good average plus boater and um, still such an exciting destination to go to. Yeah, I think it's definitely still still on the table as a as, as a destination to go kayaking. And um, I saw a video from, you know, Bartosz. Yeah, I saw one of his videos recently and I was like, oh, you know, like it still looks like it's pretty fun. And it, I don't know why I was surprised when I saw it, because you know it's not like they took all the white water away from it they just took away some of my favorite parts um but it's not like they took all the white water away it's like there's there's still a bunch of fun white water there um so i don't know why i was so shocked when i saw it but it did look fun exactly and i mean i think you know i think you spoke about this on on the other podcasts i listened to in that you know there's there's the element of like going out there and running the biggest water or surfing the biggest waves and being at the complete top of your game. But there's also everything else that comes with a trip, the adventure, the people, the people, the culture, you know, where you stay, who you go with. And, you know, out of all the boxes that can get ticked, you know, the Uganda still has that in abundance. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're you're I think I was talking to Shannon about that. It's uh it's not not always just the the kayaking you're doing, it's all the other things that go with it. And you're you're absolutely right. There's still all the other things that go with it um, on top of some really good kayaking out there um, on the white Nile. And you're, I should, I think I'm going to try and get Sam. Ward, I'm making a note on my, on my notes here um, to get Sam Ward on the, on the old podcast at some point, hopefully that's what I'm going to do. Making notes, making notes, Rory, uh, where can people find out uh, more about Jewistone if they're on the internet or social media? Uh, Jewistone.com, Instagram at Jewistone, Facebook at Jewistone. Um, but I think like everybody now, we're certainly more active on Instagram. Um, and I can be reached on Rory at Jewistone.com by email. Get some. So if you're a nonprofit or a charity or a small business and you're looking for help or advice on how to be 1% or just how to be a little bit better um, for the planet or some advice or Anything really, Rory's your man. Um, this has been Questions Ever Thought to Ask, the Whitewater Kayaking Podcast, and we will see you in the future. Peace.